I'm Christy Hemingway, host of Ed Curation, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Ninth Grade Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dutchko. Ninth grade can be challenging. Let's experience it together. And today's episode is going to be sharing a story with you about somebody that overcame challenges in their life that maybe in the ninth grade seemed like they were ready to have it all, to have some ups and downs in their life, but is now making uh, huge positive changes in the world based on the book that he wrote and the story that he tells. So today's guest is Damon West. He's the author of The Coffee Bean, and it's a really inspirational tale of what happened to him as he was in the process of going to jail, uh, which we talk about in the story. But now he has overcome that experience, and he's out giving motivational speeches to people about being an agent of change and about making uh, the world a better place through your actions and through what you do. So I think this is a really... uh, important story to share with students in ninth grade, because it doesn't necessarily mean what you happen to ninth grade is where you're going to end up. And there's always the chance to overcome that and to work to better yourself. So uh, Damon's story is truly awesome. And I'm glad that he was able to take the time with us to be able to share the story and to share some tips and strategies for our ninth grade students out there listening to this. So here is the episode featuring Damon West. So thanks a lot for joining us on today's Ninth Grade Experience podcast. So I have a special guest with me today, and I was just recently at a conference in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and I saw that this guy was going to be the keynote speaker of the last day of the conference. And I had heard his name before, and I knew that he was associated with John Gordon, who's a very popular author. So I'd heard about The Coffee Bean. I'd heard about Damon West. So I read his book, and the book was awesome. And I reached out to Damon to talk to him and we were just kind of chatting and his website didn't work. And somehow I was the one that figured this out for him. So while he is in the middle of this busy touring schedule, you know, talking about the coffee bean and what he does for a living, he's able to fit in a little bit of time for us here today. So uh, author of the coffee bean, I have the book here. Hopefully it shows up. up. I'm all kind of shady there, but um, so Damon West is joining us today on the podcast. So Damon, thanks a lot for joining us. Man, Chris, thanks a lot for having me, man. Thanks for making the time for me. And thanks for taking the time to come up and talk to me at that conference in Pennsylvania. I mean, without without you doing that, man, my business is, is still kind of shut down because people couldn't find me. But you uh, you let me know there was a glitch. You fixed it. And I, I felt like there's a, uh, a bigger reason why we're supposed to have this podcast today. And I think someone out there is going to get help with this message. And I, I appreciate you saying that. I, and, and even you told the story on one of the other things I listened to. And you told the story about how when you were getting started as an author, you kind of had a similar-ish moment where you were at a big conference. You were, you know, the you were trying to approach all these different people to talk to you and like talk about your story that you have. And it was the last person that you talked to who just happened to be Dabo Sweeney, who is the coach of Clemson's football team, who kind of took the time to listen to you. And with him letting you tell your story to his team, you have kind of become this 
large like speaker to organizations and teams and all sorts of stuff. So it is interesting, like our stories kind of mesh up there, but you know, I'm just speaking to the people that are listening to this. You've spoken probably last week, you spoke to like 5,000 people just in person, probably more. So we're really excited to have you. So we always ask our guests, the first question is what was your ninth grade experience like? And I know that your ninth grade and your high school story kind of blends and bleeds into the rest of your story, which is an amazing tale. So why don't you take us back to ninth grade? You don't have to tell us where or when. Um, usually we tell that to the adults because we don't, if they don't want to share how old they are, they don't have to, but if you want to share that, you can. So what was your ninth grade experience like? Man, my ninth grade experience. So first of all, I grew up in Texas, a little town. I don't mind saying Port Arthur, Texas is a town I grew up in. And, and you know, you've probably heard about Friday night lights, Friday night lights, high school football in Texas. It's a very big deal. And uh, I was the quarterback and um, growing up in Texas, playing football was a, a, a big deal. So whenever I came into ninth grade, there was this uh, mixture of like excitement, uh, a little bit of nervousness, a little bit of fear, um, because there were a lot of expectations on me as an athlete to step up into this role that, um, look, I, I knew I'd been preparing for it and I knew I was ready for it at some point, but it's a whole different level. The game got a lot faster. But a lot of the kids that I was going to school with, we grew up together. Here's what I had an advantage. I thought about this question when you asked me earlier. There's two junior highs in my hometown, and uh, there's three different high schools, but there's, there's two junior highs. And I went to both junior highs throughout the course of my junior high career. I went to one of them for sixth, sixth grade and seventh grade, and then I transferred to another one for eighth grade. So when I got to high school, Chris, I knew everybody like everybody kind of comes together in high school from the different junior highs, yep. but I knew, I knew everybody. So it was really like, that was an easy landing point for me. The hardest thing for me was the, uh, the math class that I had. And it was algebra two, I think is what I took in the ninth grade. Do you remember it was algebra two or yeah, it had to be algebra two. I remember math in ninth grade was really hard. And I was in the, um, gifted and talented program. And so I, I remember not being ready for night for high school math. And when I got to the high school math part, my freshman year, uh, it was bad. I made some, I made some C's uh, and I wasn't used to making C's, but math was, uh, was the big thing that was like, that shook me in ninth grade. And honestly, Chris, to this day, I'm not great in math. And, and I think ninth grade was kind of a pivotal point for me because I kind of laid it down as far as math goes. I did just what I was needed to get by. And I got out of gifted and talented after ninth grade probably because of math, if I think about it really hard, if I'm being honest, probably because of the math requirements to stay and get fit and talented. So that's interesting. Usually a lot of times, and I'll ask this one as well too, but not a lot of times when I we talk to adults that they focus on like the academics that are in the classroom as like something that they vividly remember. But like, so you talk about you were in this math class, you may have felt a little overmatched and like you kind of, I don't, maybe you didn't have dreams of doing stuff math related, but it kind of like, knocked you back from doing math things or being like in a math class like that. So like, how did you re like academically recover and kind of move yourself forward with your, with your academic story? Yeah. So I focused on the, the parts of academics that I, I was good at. Um, I was naturally a pretty good writer. My father was a journalist, uh, a sports writer for 50 years. And so I think I got that some, some of that from him uh, just naturally. So writing, reading, were my strong points and I would focus on that. I, I made decent grades. I mean, I still graduated with like a 4.1 on a five point scale. So I wasn't like the top of the class. I think I graduated um, 
oh, I don't know. I was in the top 25% of my high school graduation four years later, but I just focused on the class I was good at. And, but here's the other thing too. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. I was a great athlete. I mean, as far as sports goes and sometimes in societies and schools, we do athletes a disservice by treating them differently because they can throw a football really well, or they can catch a football really well, or they play a sport really well. And that's kind of the preferential treatment I got whenever I was in high school. Um, but look, I mean, did I shy away from that? No, I mean, I kind of, I kind of leaned, leaned into it because I mean, you're the quarterback, you get the special treatment, you play football. Um, it didn't do me any favors later in life when accountability was held because of the content of my character and not the way that I could play a sport, which by the way, when I was in college playing division one college football, I eventually got hurt and the football wasn't there anymore. And then, you know, my story kind of spins out of control after that. But in the ninth grade, I had immense popularity. So I wasn't worried about that. Um, I was a very popular guy because of sports, but mathematics again was my weak point. I'll tell you another class I got into, um, but this was like a, a year later was physics. Even though I wasn't that good in math, I had a friend in the class who would help me with, with the formulas and, and the math part. But I love physics. I love watching the see way things change whenever they're introduced to another element. So, but ninth grade was hard, man. But I focused on the things that, that I was good at, reading, writing. So you mentioned like the Friday night lights, like, you know, up here in the Northeast, like obviously we have high school football, but it does not rival what it's like in Texas. So we see like the shows like Friday night lights or the movies and kind of imagine, or you see like all clips on like, you know, TikTok of these like 14,000 seat high school stadiums. Like, so when you walk into that as a freshman, what was that like to be able to like absorb all that and then kind of a deal with the pressure and then b kind of, I know your story as you kind of go through your high school years starts to kind of, you know, change a little bit and you were able to, you were exposed to some things that maybe led a little bit later to some of the things that happened to you and the decisions and kind of led to what we're talking about here today. Yeah. Um, freshman year, and this is going to sound, uh, I don't know, I, I guess shallow, but it is what it is. I looked at my freshman year of ninth grade in high school as a stepping stone to get on varsity. So in, in Texas, they have different levels of sports. Like you have a freshman football team, you have a junior varsity football team, then you have a varsity football team. So typically the progression is your freshman year, you play in the freshman team, then your sophomore year, you play in the junior varsity team, and maybe you make it to varsity your junior year, but definitely your senior year, you get on varsity. My goal was always to play that freshman year, you know, light it up as much as I could and be the starting quarterback my sophomore year on the varsity team, which is what I eventually did. Um, so I focused on football really hard. Um, you know, people that read my book, The Change Agent, they get a lot of the story in there. Like, I knew I wanted to be a, a college football player, and I knew that if I was going to get out of my small town, football was my ticket to do it. So I was all in on football, Chris. I mean, I got up in the mornings, uh, and, and you know, I got up at 6 o'clock in the morning in high school, went and ran. I went through. I had, I had a tire swing in the field across the street from my house. I would throw footballs through the tire swing every single day. I'd be up in the morning running. I'd be up in the morning lifting. I'd be up in the mornings watching film, game film for the teams we're going to play that next week. Um, I just took football very seriously. I didn't find anything else in life that I really sunk my teeth into like football because I knew football was my ticket out. And so I got really good at my craft by getting my reps in. And, um, you know, I look back on it, man. If I had just focused like that on math, <laughs> I probably would have been <laughs> decent at math. But 
Um, it's Texas. My priorities were different back then. And um, I look back on it. And, you know, Chris, just as a little side note about to the mentality of the person you're talking about in high school, tell you how stupid I really was. Like, I was really good in football, and I got a lot of offers to a lot of schools to play college football, to play, play quarterback. In the end, I took a, I took a scholarship to play uni- football at the University of North Texas, a Division I college football program in Denton, Texas. And I turned down Brown, Harvard, Yale, Princeton. I turned down all the Ivy Leagues because what do I want to go play Ivy League football for? I want to play football in Texas. Yeah. And I mean, I look back on this now and I'm like, oh my God, I just passed <laughs> up an Ivy League education to play football at a, at a, at a, at a school in North Texas that, uh, in Texas that was pretty insignificant when it comes to college football. But that's where my priorities were back then, Chris. And I was so wrapped up in being a football player. My, the problem is with this, and I hope everybody's getting from this, you can extrapolate. My identity was wrapped up in being a college football player. And I'm setting myself up for a big failure later on in life because anytime we wrap our identities up into something external, we can lose ourselves along the way because anything external can be taken away from us at any point. You know, this is like, you know, in life, if you're an adult, your identity doesn't come from the car you drive, the house you live in, the clothes you wear, the job you have, you know, those aren't your identity. If you're younger, you're watching this, you're listening to this, you know, your identity doesn't come from the friends you hang out with, the house that your parents live in, you know, the socioeconomic background you come from in life, TikTok, social media, that's not where your identity comes from. It has to come from a place of within. But I didn't spend that freshman year or those high school years cultivating the identity from within. And it was setting myself up for failure. So, you know, obviously, if we if we had you on and we were going to talk about your future NFL career and all these other things, we would have mentioned that at the front here. So obviously, there's, you know, there's a change to the story here that led you down a path that, you know, had you had some interesting life experiences that allowed you to, you know, you went to the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. So, you know, with you know, you have this book, you have this like talk that you do. So obviously the story changes at some point. So can you kind of let our, our audience in on, you know, obviously you didn't make it to the NFL and obviously you're not like this brand football star that, that made it to the, you know, far. So what happened? <laughs> yeah. So I uh, playing football in North Texas. I was 20 years old, starting quarterback for a division one team, red shirt, sophomore year, which means my third year of college. Uh, third game of the season. I'm finally starting, man. And this is it, man. I, this is where I've, I've arrived in life because this is what my identity is. Third game of the season, third play of that game. I go down and it's a career and an injury. I separated my shoulder and I never played college football again. And, and when I got up to this fork in the road in life and football was gone, again, my identity was gone with it. And I made a lot of wrong turns at this fork in the road. And um, here's the thing. I couldn't live life on life's terms. I didn't have a fallback plan. And I started getting into drugs at this point. And the hallmark of addiction is really when you can't live life on life's terms, you put chemicals in to change the way you feel. And that's what I did. And I was a functional addict, eventually graduating college. And then I worked some big jobs, you know, as a functional addict. I was, you know, I worked in the United States Congress. I worked for a guy running for president. I worked in one of the biggest Wall Street banks in the world. But it was that job at a Wall Street bank as a stockbroker that I was introduced to crystal meth for the first time back in 2004. And uh, one year later, one and a half years later, 18 months later, I'm, uh, I'm homeless, living in the streets of Dallas. And I become a criminal to feed my addiction. And I start breaking into people's homes. And these burglaries, these home burglaries went on for 
three years. And the Dallas SWAT team finally caught me in 2008 when they raided the house that I was in. The next year I went to trial and a jury sentenced me to life in prison in the Texas prison for organized crime. And it was in between the time when I got sentenced to life in prison and the prison bus came to pick me up in county jail that I ran into this man who told me the story of the coffee bean. And he basically told me I had three choices in the pot of boiling water that's called life. Be like a carrot that turns soft in boiling water, an egg that becomes hard in the boiling water, or a coffee bean, which changes the pot of boiling water into a pot of coffee. And he told me that you have a choice in life. You can let life beat you down. You can let life make you harden. Or you can change life with the power inside you. Like the coffee bean had the power to change the water with the power inside it. In fact, the last words he ever said to me, Chris, were be a coffee bean. And that's exactly what I did. I went into a Texas supermax prison, one of the most difficult places on the planet to live in, most dangerous places to live in. And I transformed not only myself inside that prison, but I transformed the entire prison around me. So much so that seven years into this life sentence, the parole board, and parole is a device they have in prison where they can release you from prison early. Now, you're not done with your sentence. You're just done with the part you'll do inside of a prison. But the parole board in Texas comes to see me seven years in. They want to talk to the guy that didn't just change himself, but changed one of the toughest prisons in Texas. And um, they let me go. They let me go on condition that I would be on parole for the rest of my life. So I'm on parole until the year 2073, which means every month I have to check in with my parole officer in Texas until the year 2073. But in exchange for that, I've got this incredible life now, Chris, where I get to go out and change the world around me with the power inside me, with the story that's inside me. Literally, I'm living out the coffee bean in real time because I've got this incredible story of this guy that had it all, threw it all away, and got this incredible message and then literally transformed the entire world around him. And that's what I'm doing to this day, Chris. I get to go out and change people's lives with a story that brings hope to the hopeless. And I think that's the thing that we all look for in life. We look for ways to be inspired and we look for ways to find hope in other people's journeys. And if, if someone can translate that to us and tell us how they did it, that's even more effective. And that's really what I do in my presentations. I tell the audience, as you heard in the, in the place where we spoke in Hershey, how I did it, because I truly believe if I could do it in there, you could do it out here, Chris. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Ninth Grade Experience podcast with Damon West. Uh, if you like what you're hearing and you want to listen to some other episodes of the podcast, please go to ninthgradeexperience.com. You can find all of our previous episodes there. You can search for different topics or different uh, themes of what you're looking for. If you're looking for something related to athletics or academics or clubs, all those other things. So you can search for that in the search bar at the site. You can also find all of the clips of our episodes on a lot of our social media channels. Uh, we're re really trying to get a lot out there on TikTok. So that's at ninth grade experience. We can listen on Instagram uh, at ninth grade experience as well. And on YouTube, you can just search ninth grade experience and we have full length episodes and the YouTube shorts there as well too. So lots of different ways to interact with our content. So hopefully you're enjoying this episode and we're going to get back and finish up hearing the story of Damon West. And one of the things you were mentioning about the parole during that time, and I really liked the story about like what you had, what you said to the parole officer at the time. And, and she said, you know, it was a question that basically changed your life because it allowed you to kind of get out. And, you know, she asked you, what do you want to be? like when you leave kind of I'm paraphrasing, but, and your answer was useful. 
And like that stuck with me because, you know, being useful. So one, what does being useful mean to you? And two, if you're, you know, we're list people that are listening to this are in high school or parents of high schoolers or even like teachers in high school, like what do you have for like recommendations for high schoolers to be useful? Great question. And I'm so glad you asked this. And, and literally we didn't prep for this one. So I'm excited that you asked this. <laughs> no, seriously, here's why. Because being useful to me is about being a servant to other people, serving other people. It's, it's what I think is the, the secret to life. It's where I found the secret sauce inside of a prison. It's called servant leadership. Servant leadership is helping other people reach their goals in life, helping to raise other people up to a different station of life. Because here's what I truly believe, Chris. When we help each other, when we help other people out, we actually help ourselves too. That's how we grow as human beings. And if I'm going to be useful, I've got to look for ways to serve people every day. I got to be on the lookout for someone that's coming in need. The three hardest words for a human being to say to another human being, I need help. I need help. It's the hardest thing for people to say, but the truth is we all need help from time to time. The truth is we all struggle from time to time. But if you will go out in life and look for ways to help other people, people don't have to tell you they need help all the time for you to know they need help, right? You see people struggling out there. As a coffee bean, I'm looking for ways to make people feel more included in a group. Like if you're in if you're in school and you're a kid listening to this, right? You're a young, young adult um, listening to this, you're a teenager. You know, if a coffee bean saw uh, another student sitting by themselves in the cafeteria, the coffee bean goes up and, and sits with that person or brings them over to the table to sit with their friends, right? We don't want people to feel isolated and alone. You know, that's the worst thing in the world. Uh, you know, if a coffee bean sees a kid by themselves at recess that no one's talking to, no one's playing with, go play with that kid. Bring them into to your friend circle. Listen to what that kid has to say. A lot of times in life, no people, people just want to feel like they've been heard, Chris. I think that's one of the fun, fundamental parts of communication that we sometimes miss. We're waiting for our, our opportunity to speak when if we would just stop and listen and listen to what people have to say, people want to be heard. And when you feel like you've been heard, then you feel like you're part of something bigger than you. Then you'll go out there and work harder to be part of that group. But we've got to try to bring everybody into this group. Now, if you're an adult listening to this, this means that, like, you know, when you see people out there in society, social media, social media is one of these crazy worlds out there where most things you see are not even real. But one of the things I see that, that people take part in, in in social media is they gossip. There's gossip, there's keyboard warriors, people that say stuff out there they would never say to your face. Do not participate in gossip. That's character assassination. You don't want to do that. Because here's the truth about people who gossip. When you're not around, they're talking about you. Because if you're the one that they're sitting there telling you about someone else every time you're there listening to them, when you walk away, they're talking about you too. So as a coffee bean, we hold ourselves to a higher standard, a standard at which we, you know, we want to be out, out there and be useful to other people. We're looking for ways to serve other people, but we're also not participating in negative entertainment, negative talk, negative gossiping. We don't do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of the message is stuff that we talk about all the time. And with our last question here, like one of the other things that you talked about during the presentation was fighting all the fights, which you literally had to do when you were in prison. 
But I think the most important part of that message is, you know, we're not condoning fighting, but you had to in your position. But the part about getting back up after the fight, and even like what you just said about telling people that you need help, I think those two things kind of really come together. So as our last message for, you know, for people that are listening, like, would it for you, to, if you're telling people like, what does it mean? Or what does it look like to get up after the fight? And the importance of asking for help in that situation? Yeah, man, this is so important. And the guy that told me the story of the coffee bean, he told me the truth about fighting. And then he said, you don't have to win all your fights, but you do have to fight all your fights. Now, he was referring, obviously, to me going to prison, which was a very dangerous and violent place. But the overarching message of that is that you're going to get knocked down in life. Life is hard. Life is going to knock you down. And you're going to lose some of your battles in life. I'm not talking about fist fights. I'm just talking about your daily battles. People struggle, man. I struggle all the time. Here's the deal. You don't have to win. No one's that good. No one wins all their battles in life. Everybody loses fights. But here's what people watch to see. People don't count wins and losses of other people. First of all, people don't have the attention span to pay attention to someone else <laughs> like that. Think about, think about how much you pay attention to other people's lives. You don't pay attention to that much. But people do watch to see does he or she get back up after they've been knocked back after they've been knocked down and to me that's the real victory in life right chris i mean you if you get knocked down eight times get up nine and if you can pull yourself up after every time you get knocked down by life whatever life throws at you you are winning that's what the win is no one counts wins and losses in the way you think but everybody watch to see if you get back up and if you get back up every time you're winning every time and here's what it does too. It helps you with your confidence. And confidence is the promises that we make to ourselves that we keep. That's how you create confidence in life, right? People we talk about people with low self-esteem, low confidence. Make little, make little bitty promises to yourself every day and keep those little bitty promises. Make them small at first and keep those promises. And once you do that, you become a more confident person because you keep the promises to yourself, but if you don't keep the promises to yourself, your confidence level goes down with that too. It's it's directly related to the promises you make to yourself that you keep. And I love all the messages of confidence and change and getting back up and helping other people. And I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to kind of catch up. And, you know, obviously I will have the book and I, I talked about the book in my classes. I have a copy of the book here, The Coffee Bean. So, you know, you're all over the internet you know, we'll, we'll make sure that we put all that stuff out there, but I want to thank you so much for taking some time out today. I know you're in the middle of going all across the country here, uh, doing your speaking stuff. So I really appreciate you, you know, sharing your message, sharing part of your story and hopefully impacting some of our students and students all, you know, whoever are listening to this and, and they're, you know, people that care for them too. So thanks a lot for joining us today. Chris, thanks for the opportunity, man. And thank you for helping me fix my business whenever you didn't really know you were doing that in the first place. That's why <laughs> When you did that last week, I felt like there's an obligation to you because I think that there, we were put in the same room for a reason, brother. So I'm glad we got to do this today. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. For all of our previous episodes, go to www.9thgradeexperience.com.